0: Welcome to Transcending Identity. I'm your host, Nicole Lee, and I am thrilled to be your guide on this incredible journey of self-discovery and transformation. This podcast is designed to help you connect deeper with yourself and transcend the identities, beliefs, and environments that may be holding you back from living your best life. I speak with incredible people from around the world who share their stories of transformation, transcendence, and triumph. I also share my personal stories, insights, and tools along the way. By listening to this podcast, I hope you feel seen, supported, and inspired to live your best life. Thanks for spending time with me today. Your time to transcend starts now. High love, hope all is well, and I hope you're ready for an incredible episode with my amazing guest, Kwame Johnson. Kwame was incarcerated his senior year of high school. However, it was during this challenging time that he discovered his passion for youth development. His journey from those difficult days to his current role as president and CEO of Big Brothers Big Sisters Metro Atlanta is a testament to resilience and the transformative power of mentorship. Our conversation begins with sharing an inspirational excerpt from his book, The Hope Inside, harnessing the power of mentorship in life and career. It's a memoir not only capturing the details of his personal journey, but also serves as a reminder that we can overcome obstacles and achieve greatness in our lives. Kwame and I then explore the importance of vulnerability in sharing our stories, the critical role of mentorship, and the journey towards discovering your passion and becoming your own superhero. Kwame also shares valuable insights on the qualities of a successful leader. I hope this conversation with Kwame inspires you to embrace your unique story, believe in your ability to overcome life's challenges, and serve as a mentor making a difference in the lives of others. Hey, Kwame, how are you today? Welcome to the podcast.
1: Hey, Nicole, good to see you. Glad to be here. Thanks for having me. Uh, I'm doing good. I can't complain.
0: That is awesome. I would love to start with an excerpt from your book, which is called The Hope Inside, Harnessing the Power of Mentorship in Life and Career. You say, never forget that your story is your superpower. Many young people do not live within their story, share their story, and are uncomfortable with it. The reality is your story will set you apart from the rest of the world. Never forget your upbringing, the trials and the tribulations you have conquered. Never forget your first love and how you felt at the most critical moments of your life. All of these things are who you are. I would love for you to talk about your story that did include trials and tribulations and triumphs and how you embrace all elements of your story to get to where you are today.
1: Definitely. And thank you for that. And, you know, when you write a book, you sometimes forget what you write, right? So to hear you uh, read it, you know, brings me back to a few years ago when I actually wrote the book. But yeah, I'm, I'm big into storytelling. I, I encourage everybody to do it. It is a, a, an amazing way to connect with people. And we are humans. We're all about relationships. And uh, too often, we don't lean into that part of relationship. We don't really let, really let people know who we really are. And you know I can help people through our stories so that that's why i'm big into storytelling and i told my story which is a long one but i'll kind of you know summarize it here and you know the, the book is definitely there for folks who want to learn more about you know my story through the hope inside but you know I'm, I'm from the north new york syracuse new york grew up with great parents my parents are both educators community activists so they grounded me in service which i've been doing now for the past 20 years, my whole adult life I've been in service. But I learned that from my parents. My mom was on the school board in my hometown. She was the first African-American woman to be the president of the school board. My father was a high school teacher and administrator for 40 years. So they they grounded me in service. You know, Syracuse, where I grew up, was a really tough community to grow up in. Like many Rust Belt communities, even Detroit, where you're from, when those jobs left it really devastated those communities and you know drugs came in mass incarceration all these things really devastated a lot of those cities and as a young person i have found myself navigating that and having to make you know the right decision to stay in school or the wrong decision to hang out with my friends in the community and do dumb stuff and you know as i became a teenager i started to make a lot of bad decisions even though i was a track star running track had a lot of scholarships thrown my way you know getting in trouble threw all that away you know you know all pretty much almost threw my life away by making some bad decisions. And found myself at the age of 17, facing many years behind bars. But I had many people poured into me, my parents, mentors, my track coach, but more importantly, God, you know, I think intervened and gave me a second chance at life. But I did have to go away for a year. So I spent my whole senior year behind bars and I wouldn't trade it for the world because I I found my passion, which is a whole nother topic we can explore because most people don't ever find their passion. And when they do it maybe it's too late because they could have created a whole lane for themselves you know if they find it early enough in life but i found my passion through the young men that i met in jail and again i didn't plan on none of this right but this is how god worked in my life but i met a lot of young men and i could tell you many many stories but one was a name a kid named anthony who i met in solitary confinement and uh he and i would talk through the cell through the ventilation system we got to know each other that way you know make a long story short anthony would always get in fights come back to solitary Go to general population, get in the fight, come back. And I would ask him, I said, Anthony, why do you keep getting in these fights, man? What, you know, what's that all about? And he said something to me that, you know, has grounded me in my work and helped me find my passion. He said, you know, Kwame, my father's in the next unit. And I met him here for the first time. Wow. He said, your father comes to see you every week. And I said, yeah, he does. And, you know, I just learning Anthony's story and everyone else's story, Shank's story, Tony's story, these young men that were no different than me, the only real difference was I had people pouring into me I had mentors in my life and they didn't. I had people defending my potential, which enabled me to make a comeback after getting out of jail and graduating high school and going to college and then finding myself in this space, which I call youth development. I consider myself a social entrepreneur, and I've been, you know, working on my whole adult life. It started off as me making sure no young person would go through what I went through in jail, never have to go through that road, but it's evolved to me, you know, working with young people in a lot of different ways to help them reach their full potential over the past 20 years. So I'm the CEO now of Big Brothers Big Sisters Metro Atlanta. Uh, it's been an amazing ride. We mentor thousands of kids all across the country. And, uh, you know, what is special about that is mentorship Right, I've, I learned early in my career that relationships change people, not programs. And, and and in this space, you need to really understand that. You know, too often we think giving someone some program or some curriculum will help them, but but relationships change people, not not programs. And uh, that's what we do every day at Big Brothers Big Sisters is mentorship to help young people.
0: Yeah, and I love that. I'm thinking of you inspiring others, seeing them. In a way that maybe someone never saw them before how have you seen continuing to tell your story as part of the work you do shifts people's perspective of what's possible for them
1: so you know first i had to build my own confidence in my own story okay and and that didn't ha- happen overnight night and that wasn't all on me right so different things happened in my life that helped me get to where i am now as it relates to my storytelling so when i was at hampton university after leaving jail I met a guy named Bob Woodson, who I praise all the time. Robert L. Woodson, everyone should look up. He has done a ton of work as a civil rights leader, but also as a community activist, as a nonprofit leader for the past 40 years. Actually, Anton and me both learned underneath Bob. And that's how I met Anton, through Bob Woodson, who you had on your show as well. Anton's story is amazing. So Bob, I met at Hampton. He was talking and speaking and about doing work in community and He was one of the guest speakers at Hampton university and he was, you know, doing work with gangs all around the country. He was doing work with Anton in Dallas and it just intrigued me by what he was doing. Cause I never, for one, seen a a black CEO. I never knew about nonprofit. You know, you don't hear about that in, in college a lot of times and the work he was doing was very unique to me. So I reached out to Bob and, you know, we got to know each other and he, you know, actually offered me a job to come work for him in uh in DC. So I, I made a bold move to leave these leave Hampton, which my parents thought was crazy because they're like, man, you just got to college and it took all this to get you here. But I followed my passion and going back to that, I trusted my gut and worked underneath Bob for seven years, traveled the country, went to the White House, you know, done a lot of different things with Bob. But what he did was every time we would go anywhere, whether it be the White House or to in inside of a prison, he would tell me to share my story.
0: Mm-hmm. And at
1: first it was uncomfortable. But as I've done it over and over, I got more comfortable with it. And I saw how it enabled me to connect with people. And every time I would speak, people would come up to me and tell me something they never told anybody before. And they say, I was dealing with this or dealing with that. Because what I've learned through storytelling is that my story is different than yours, Nicole, but when I tell my story, I connect with, with some kind of vulnerability you have as well. You know, we all got vulnerabilities, we all got stories, but that level of vulnerability allows you to connect with people in a special way i can't even describe it you just have to do it and you'll feel it so that's why i think storytelling is so important uh, but also like you said your story can help someone else it can be someone's lifeline it can be someone's survival guide but also give someone confidence and, and too often you know someone who looks like me if we tell our story it puts that puts us at risk you know a black guy with a bald head saying you've been in prison before is not the most strategic thing to say in america sometimes but it has worked for me and in many ways, I'm okay with taking that risk because I know hopefully it changes the perspective. So when you see me on a stage with a suit, and I'm also saying I was in jail, hopefully it will change how you look at the criminal justice system in America and think differently about, you know, people who made bad choices, but, you know, have been able to make good on those, those bad decisions.
0: Yeah. And I love that you talked about the vulnerability part. Did you feel more liberated and free to live your life? Yeah.
1: You know, and I learned it, you know, really through people that I, I just kept, have come across in life and what I would tell in my story, they were just so happy and, and supportive and, you know, just all of it. So it, it helped me just build that confidence. Like, you know, it's okay. You know, it's not gonna, you know, hurt you in any way or people are not gonna look at you a certain way. And as you sort of build that confidence muscle, that's a big part of it, especially for 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 black men, you you know that confidence piece, right? And you know, and as I, I really push that with young people, is helping them build their confidence early on as you take on the world, as you take on corporate environments, as you all the different things you take on, but telling my story and over and over and seeing the response I was getting from people gave me that confidence, you know, slowly but surely over time, like, you know what, it's not that bad. Let me just, you know, lean into it. And now I'm just super comfortable with it. And you know, it's, it's created a lane for me. And it actually is, in many ways became like a superpower for me because it really distinguishes me from any, but anybody else in the world. And, you know, when you look at celebrities or athletes or people who are like excelling in their lanes, too often we wanna be like them versus just being your own superhero in your own way. Cause you already got it in you, right? And that's what I've been comfortable leaning into over all these years.
0: That is so beautiful. It's so true. How we have this culture of who do you want to be like versus who are you and what is your superpower and what are you here to bring to the world? I would love to talk about how you found your passion.
1: So for me, you know, when I talk about passion, one thing is I tell people it's already inside of you. It's already there. Sometimes people think passion is something they got to go find in some, you know, long journey, but I've, you know, I've realized that it's like already inside of you like god already gave you that gift is for you to kind of uncover it often when things are so close to us we overlook them because we always think something is so far away uh, and we make things much more complicated than they have to be so your passion and your superpowers are already there within you right now you know uh, albert einstein has this quote a few quotes that i like to share particularly about passion and superpower and one is that your imagination is everything And if you think about that on a deep level you know, this camera we're looking into was someone's imagination. At one point, this chair I'm sitting in was someone's imagination at one point. So everything in the world was once someone's imagination and they made it happen. And then he has a second quote that goes a little deeper where he says, your imagination is like a, a preview of your future. So it's almost like a trailer of a movie. So whatever you're thinking about, you're imagining some big idea or some like thing that sounds crazy to everybody else that's actually your life. If you follow it and it may be scary to follow it and take that leap of faith, but that is, it's actually right there. It's right there in front of you, but we overlook it and discount it every day. And then people say to you, I can't find my passion. No, it's already right there. You already know what it is. It's interesting.
0: Yeah. And I love that you said that because it is, it's that part of gaining the comfort and confidence and courage, I would say, to lean into something that other people may not understand. How are you intentional about finding mentors that would encourage and empower your vision and your passion?
1: Yeah. So it starts with really the circle you have around you, right? Mentors come in all shapes and forms. You have formal mentors in many ways. Some of your, your, your friends are mentors, right? So it really starts with your, your social group that you, the people you hang around which is super important, right? Because they have the most influence on you. You, you tell them your ideas, you all talk about your life. Those are, those are mentors in a lot of different ways. Now, throughout my career, I have you know asked different leaders that I've admired to be my mentors. But in a lot of ways, I've just watched what people do. So you don't mm, even really okay. have, me, me and Bob, who I worked for, for seven years, we never sat down and said, Bob, I want you to be my mentor. It was never that kind of formal conversation. I just watched what he was doing. And I just went along for the ride, you know. And by doing that, I said, okay, that's how you do a presentation, this is how you handle a business meeting. This is how you, you know, fundraise. This is how you do all these different this is how you dress, you know, in certain situations, this is how you, you know, present yourself. And that was like an informal mentorship just by me watching what he was doing and just going along with him in life. And I've done that with a number of leaders throughout my career, because if someone's excelling and doing good in different things, why not sort of see what they're doing? You know, in some ways, mimic it in your own kind of way and put your own spin on it. And that's, that's exactly what I've, what I've done.
0: I can imagine young people going through, wow, my vision is different. My, my goals are different. And I realize that I'm going to have to sever some ties, or I'm going to have to create boundaries what do you recommend or advise if someone's going through that in the process of their growth and evolution?
1: Yeah, it's not easy, right? And uh, I got some words of advice from a mentor a while back, and I think it resonates for this conversation. He was like, you know, as you grow in life and to get to that next level in life, you're going to have to be comfortable, Kwame, with not everybody liking you. I bring that up because you have friends that you've known or associates and you have to move on, whether it's you know, obvious that you're moving on, or just kind of happens over time, it, it can feel awkward. Like, I don't want to disappoint this person. Or I don't want this person not to like me. You know, I know I've struggled with that and that that is what you got to get comfortable with, you know, as you move up through life and you encounter people that aren't a good fit. Cause you know, we meet people for a reason, a season or a lifetime. Right. Mm-hmm. And if you're not able to figure out you keep people in your life who are just for a reason and you keep them in your life for a season or a lifetime that could damage, you and how you grow, you got to protect your energy. But you got to just get comfortable with, you know, saying to someone, listen, you know, this is not gonna work for me anymore, you know, and they may never see it your way. And that's fine. You know, but you got to get comfortable with that.
0: And it's interesting, too, we have different music, we have different food, right, we have different clothing. And we don't expect to like all the same things. But when it comes to ourselves, the whole idea, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that someone won't like us, right? Like, it's just so interesting from a human experience perspective. Also, that the season, the reason in the lifetime, and checking in with yourself about how people in your life actually might shift into those different buckets. And just because there's a separation today doesn't mean that the person won't come back at another point in time
1: exactly i had to have that conversation with a college you know friend that was like close to me i said you know man i'll meet you at the top that was just my way of saying maybe sometime in the future right we'll we'll reconnect but right now what you got going on don't really fit for what i'm trying to to do but i'll meet you at the top but yeah you got to figure it out you know and 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 you may have friends in your life who disagree with you and challenge you you do need people who hold you accountable and challenge you to think about things differently and look at things differently, but have your best interest. You got to have people around you who really are there for you. And you got to have your kind of own way of figuring that out.
0: Let's talk a bit about the business side of things. You have been able to come into organizations and significantly shift them in positive ways. And I'm curious, what are one or two things that you find are keys to success
1: You know, I've been doing this 20 years now, my whole adult life, I've specialized in one area, which is youth development, and I've leaned into it, which I think is my, my, my sweet spot, my superpower. So when you do that, when you spend that much time and you perfect your craft in something for that long, it makes it a lot easier to be successful in that, in that space. So that that sometimes gets overlooked because you got a lot of young people in particular who want to be entrepreneurs, which is great. And most entrepreneurs have like less than five years of work experience and you might have the best idea, best, whatever, but if you don't know how to like manage people or how to, you know, solve problems, how to, some of the basic things you learn by working at a red lobster where I worked, you know, or working in a grocery store, things you learn along the way. Right. So that can't too often, I think that's skipped where you don't think about, you got to put some time in and some work effort effort in to learn some of these basic business things before you can start to be a CEO or whatever next level. So I started off as a program assistant and I shared an office with someone. I was filing paperwork, I was running the projector. But through all that, I learned and I watched other people. And I said, okay, that's how you lead a meeting. Okay, that's how you fundraise. That's how you do marketing. I, I absorbed all of it. So now being a CEO now for eight years, in in you know two different places two different roles and taking both those organizations to you know double in size and raise more money all these different things it just came from me doing a lot of work before that and learning and testing and failing and getting ideas from other people and all the different pieces To then being able to do it in my own way and guess what none of us no no leader uh, i know that's doing well does it on their own i have a strong team you know i have people who are good in different things that i'm not good at And that is what really helps you get to the next level. You gotta get help. It gets to a point in your career where you only can take things as far as as you can on your own, where you gotta start getting help from other people in a very intentional way, getting advice from other CEOs. I get that all the time. I talk to other CEOs, have a strong leadership team who are good in different things. It takes a strong team to get to that next level and lead a, a very successful business.
0: I would love for you to share being successful, being recognized, you know, one of the top 500 most powerful leaders. How do you balance that with who you are as Kwame and not allowing that to consume you so you don't take on all those pressures. You know, being a
1: CEO is not for everybody, right? You got to really think about that. And, and sometimes you don't really realize it until you're in the seat already, right? But I know a lot of CEOs who've done it, you know, 10 years, 20 years now, they want to don't want to be a CEO anymore. They want to do something else. So you got to first, you know, th- really think about that, is that you want that type of pressure. And because, you know, at the end of the day, everything falls, you get credit for everything, but then you get blamed for everything, right? So it's both. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think you got to get comfortable With that, as it relates to time management, it it goes back to the team piece where, let's just say my organization has 20 goals. Two of those goals, I might be responsible. I'm not responsible for all 20. At the end of the day, if my team doesn't do the other 18, I am responsible. But the point of it is we share the load and responsibility and we stay in our lanes and we do what we're supposed to do. My lane is fundraising. My lane is being out there as the face of the organization. My lane is building relationships. So I lean into, my, my, my lane is to solve problems. Right. I'm, I'm really good at solving problems because when you're the CEO, something don't work at one level, go to the next <laughs> level. Don't work there, come to the next level. At the end of the day, you solve the problem. So I make jokes all the time that I'm the janitor, I'm the mascot and sometimes CEO, but being the janitor, I'm solving problems, you know, problem going come to CEO. You got to think of a strategy, think of a solution. That's a big part of being a CEO, the mascot. Yes. You're the face you're out there. It's all about relationships. So whether you are a nonprofit or you are a for-profit, we all are selling something. We're all raising money in some kind of way. And people give to people, not to organizations, right? So that that's a that's a complex concept, but that that is what it is. So I know my job is to be the relationship builder in the face of the organization, which also comes with a lot of pressure and accountability as well. So those are some of the things that I do. I don't try to do it all on my own because so I can't, you know, none of us are Smart enough to be a CEO, an accountant, a marketing person, and a you know, like we none of us have all those all skills the things, sets, right? all those skills <laughs> sets, Right, to be good at certain things, you got to focus on that. So my marketing person needs to wake up and think about marketing every day. My fundraiser needs to wake up and think about fundraising every day. My accountant needs, to, you know, you need people have to specialize to be good at what they do and focus in that area. And you build a team around you of leaders who are good in those areas, and then everything else kind of falls in place.
0: Wonderful. So, before we close, we know how powerful mentorship is. I've been fortunate to be a mentor through Big Brothers and Big Sisters and looking forward to coming back in to support. So, I'm super excited about that. I would love, though, for you to share for anyone who might be on the fence, right? Who may not think they're a good mentor, because of whatever reason, I don't, you know, I'm not at this certain level, because we see that right, people will say, I'm not at this certain level, I don't have this socioeconomic status, what do I have to offer to a young person? What would you share with them about having them consider themselves and whether it's through your organization or another organization of being a mentor in a young person's life?
1: Yeah, I I get that a lot, right? And everyone wants to be perfect and do things the right way. And we're not asking anyone to be a, a, a foster parent. This is mentorship. This is things that you're already doing in your life and just bringing a young person along for the ride. None of us are perfect. Right? But I think young people need to learn from caring adults who wanna pour into them and give them life experiences. So no, this is, doesn't require a degree or some specialty, is this is a human thing, right? What's interesting about mentorship and that's actually the term mentorship. If you look at other languages and around the world and other cultures around the world, the term mentorship is doesn't mean the same thing. Like in some, some languages, they don't even have a equivalent word for mentorship. The closest thing they have to it is family. So they wow. equate it, they equate it to family. In America, we say mentoring, but in most Latin countries, for example, it's family. So that's how they approach it. It's just something they do. It's just part of the village. And that is what I'm trying to turn on, not only in Atlanta, but in America, just think about what kind of country we could have if everyone subscribed to mentorship at some point in their life, right? Because none of us got here without mentorship. We all admit to that,
0: Mm -hmm. but
1: then we don't also Say, well, I need to pay it forward to do the same thing. If I yeah. can sit here and say, I got here, you got here with mentors, and then not be a mentor myself, like, what does that say about you as a leader? And for me, you know, you've done it, you've been a man, you've done it, you do it now in other different types of ways. Don't have to just be with big brothers and big sisters. There's a lot of ways to mentor young people, but I tell every leader, do not tell me you're a leader if you are not mentoring somebody else. And I'm not talking about mentoring a colleague in your job. I'm talking, if you're not pouring into the next generation. Do not t- talk to me about being a leader. Cause you're not, it's just, in my that's just my humble opinion. You are not a leader. If you're not pouring into somebody else now, like life, life happens. You might have five kids. You might be moving all the time. You might you know, have to take a, yeah, take a pause. Yeah. Yeah, You know, life, life, life happens. Right. But at some point there has to be the right time to do it. And you know, we'd love to have people do it with us. We, we have offices all around this country. And it's a one-year commitment and it's, it's life-changing. That's what I think we really need in our country. Uh, and I, my goal would be that we don't even need the word anymore. That mentorship just becomes a part of what we do and we treat everybody as family.
0: That is beautiful. I appreciate you coming on the podcast. I look forward to people feeling seen, heard, and inspired by your story. So thank you so much.
1: Thank you for what you're doing to put all these great messages out into the ether and the people you brought on your show and wish you much success with the podcast. This has been great.
0: Thank you. Thank you so much for listening. I hope this episode enriched your life. If so, please leave a review, subscribe, and share this episode with others. Let's continue to grow together, transcend to new heights, and create a life that truly reflects who we are. I'll see you soon on another episode of Transcending Identity.